0: Beloved, our text for this evening is from Jeremiah 6, verse 16. Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths, where is the good way, and walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk therein. What if you were to come to a crossroads? You're on a journey. You're standing at the crossroads. And there are two signs. Two words. One sign tells you that if you go in the one direction, there is utter destruction and death. The other sign points in the other direction and said there is life. And safety and rest. The road to destruction seems well paved. It seems smooth. It seems enjoyable even. There's no hills to traverse. There's no rocks in the way. It seems attractive. There's there's grass on either side of, of the road. Plenty of places to stop and to enjoy yourself. The road to life and safety, as you look at it, seems a little rough, to be honest. It looks like a narrow upward trek that is filled with holes and boulders in the way. It's a difficult road. What way would you choose? What way would you choose? There are times in our lives when we stand at such a crossroads, a spiritual crossroads. Confession of faith is one of those times that you stand at a crossroads, a spiritual crossroads. But in a sense, every time we hear the Word of God to us, we stand at a spiritual crossroads, don't we? There's always a way pointed out to destruction and death, and a way pointed out to to life and safety and rest. There are two ways in which we travel, from which we choose to travel, rather. The nation of Benjamin and Judah had come to that spiritual crossroads themselves, They were standing at a crossroads, a serious crossroads. They had forsaken the Lord. They had pursued idolatry, the idols of the nations around them. They had committed spiritual adultery, they had turned their backs on the Lord. In the chapters prior to what we read, we read the Lord's word to them he, when, he, when he accuses them of, of hewing out cisterns, of, of carving out wells that do not hold water, showing the vain pursuit of idols, showing the vain pursuit of sin and the world. And now in chapter 6, God has a controversy with Israel. He's reminding them, he's telling them that he's coming against them. An army from the north, a Babylonian army, is coming to lay siege against Jerusalem. To lay Jerusalem waste, to destroy it for her sins of idolatry. But once more, God comes and He reasons with His people, with His covenant people. And He says, here you are at the crossroads. There are two ways set before you. The one of life, the other of death. The Lord comes in His mercy to Judah and Benjamin, and even as He comes to them in that day and age, He comes to us in His living Word tonight with the same ultimatum. There are two ways set before you. The choice is clear. One road leads to death and destruction. The other road leads to life and rest and peace and everlasting life. There are two voices in this verse. Two voices speaking. The Lord said, and the people said. And so here, Israel, or Judah rather, is at the crossroads. You and I are at the crossroads, spiritual crossroads tonight. And whose voice will we follow? He said, or they said, whose word will you take? Which sign will you follow tonight? Which road will you go down from this point forward? First of all, we'll consider what the Lord has said. We'll consider the word of the Lord to Judah and Benjamin, to you and me tonight. They followed after idolatry, which the Lord had forbidden. They had offered fancy and false worship. They had come to God with their gifts and with their tithes and laid it all out on the altar. Worship that the Lord had not required. They thought they could please God with their sacrifices and offerings and simply continue on in a life of idolatry and spiritual idolatry. They were living this, this dual path. They had a foot on both roads. They thought they could maintain that. Even the prophets and the priests had joined in this false worship. They had healed the hurt of the daughter of God's people lightly saying peace, peace when there was no peace. They failed to diagnose the spiritual condition of of Judah and Benjamin and they failed to offer the true spiritual remedy. They looked at the people and they said you're offering your worship that's fine and good, there's peace to you. But God had something else to say to them. There was no shame and no contrition in the land for its sins. In the midst of all this, God sends Jeremiah, whom we know is called the weeping prophet, to warn the nation, to to call them back, to repent and turn to the Lord in faith. And so the Lord comes in His Word in our text tonight and sets before them the way of return. He sets before them the way of life once more before He will come against them to destroy them. Surely that's a word for us tonight. Not just as we make confession of faith. It's a word for us as a church. For the churches that are represented here. For the families that are here. It's a word for our nation. For our culture. Words to rebellious people. Thus saith the Lord. The Lord is speaking now, and we ought to be silent and listen to what God is saying to us as we stand at the crossroads. The Lord is in his holy temple, the prophet Habakkuk says. Let all the earth keep silence before him as he speaks to us. Let us listen. Let us take careful note as the Lord prescribes repentance and return for sinners. Not just to return to Him once, but again and again and again. Because the Christian life is a life of repentance unto God. Not just that initial repentance upon conversion, a turning to the Lord, but turning to Him again and again. He prescribes for you who have made confession of faith tonight, the way to Him again and again. He does so for each one of us gathered here tonight, thus saith the Lord. He speaks with power and authority this evening, and we ought to take it to heart. And as the Lord speaks, it's a call to reckon, thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways and see. The Lord calls you as you stand at the crossroads tonight, a spiritual crossroads. That's what it means when he says, stand ye in the ways. Stand at the crossroad." Here you are this, moment, this, this evening at a, a moment of decision. Stand at the crossroad and see there's, there's two ways presented here. That's what a crossroad is, isn't it? The way of the Lord, life, or the way of idolatry and rebellion and utter destruction. For Judah one way would lead to utter destruction at the hand of the Babylonian military machine and ultimately at the hand of God. The other was the way of repentance, of reckoning that would ultimately lead to life. So what God is doing here is He's calling you and me to consider our spiritual condition tonight, to take note, to take spiritual inventory To pay careful attention to where you are standing at the crossroads. To take careful note in which direction you will go from this place tonight. Because the temptation and reality of idolatry is no less real for you and for me. Than it was for Judah. There's a temptation to offer perfunctory worship to God, to, to check off that proverbial box and say, I've done my duty, now I can go into the world and pursue my life of pleasure, pursue a life of sin. We think that we can walk with one foot on each road. But we need to remember that these roads diverge. They don't run parallel to each other. They diverge to different destinations. And you try walking On two roads that diverge to different destinations, it won't work. We're so often content to live with a dualistic mindset that spiritual idolatry and sin and the worship of God can somehow be kept in tension with each other. That's how Judah and Benjamin were living, but God says, no, stand in the ways. Stand at the crossroads and see. Take inventory of your life. Behold and look and examine not only yourselves, but the way which you will take, the way that you are walking right now. Young people, as you've made confession tonight, by virtue of your confession of faith tonight, you are saying that you will take the road that leads to life. That is the vow that you've taken. The Lord knows your heart. But it's a road of repentance, a road of renewal before the Lord, a lifetime of living that road. The Lord says to you tonight, stand ye in the ways and see. Look to who you are before God and look to where you're going. Whichever direction you go with your heart will have serious ramification for your lives from this point forward. That's true for you. But it's true for all of us, isn't it? Though confession of faith, in a sense, puts us at that crossroads, yet we're all at that crossroads again tonight by virtue of the Word of God. It's a call to reckon, to stand in the ways and see, to consider where we are in relation to God. And so let me ask you this, where are you in relation to God? What road are you on? And as the Lord speaks, it's a call to to reformation. The Lord says, ask for the old paths, where is the good way, and walk therein. Maybe you say, well, I joined a reformed church tonight. What need is there further of reformation? Well, the reformers always said that the church ought to be reforming. And that takes place on an individual level, doesn't it? It takes place on a corporate level as we examine our hearts, as we as we look and see the sin that's there and we we bring that sin to the Lord and we we cry out for forgiveness, we cry out for, for the Spirit to come and blow and the winds of revival and reformation. But here in our text, there's a call to reformation. God says, ask for the old paths where is the good way and walk therein. There are several things to glean from this phrase. First, the Lord says, ask. Why would the lord say that? Judah is to ask for direction as to which way to go. The fact that they are called to ask for direction speaks to the collective heart of the nation that has been crusted over by idolatry. They've they have lost their spiritual moorings and they are going their own way. They've lost their sense of direction, their spiritual compass. Judah has gone down the wide path of destruction, of idolatry. They've forgotten the way to God. They were a religious nation, but their heart was empty, devoid of, of the power of God. That's the danger of idolatry and false worship and syncretism, of blending the things of God and pursuit of the world. You'll ultimately lose your bearings in your way. You'll become confused. Isn't that what we see in the world around us, confusion, trying to blend pursuit of sin, pursuit of the philosophies of the age, and the pursuit of God and His truth at the same time? Confusion abounds. The world touts the progress of the present age. We've now arrived. We've come to liberty. We can live how we want. We can live how we feel. But what does God think of that? What does God think of the supposed progress that we've made as a culture and as a nation? But the very fact that he... He says, ask. Tells us what God thinks. He looks at the world. He looks at your and my hearts if we're without Christ. And he says, you are utterly lost. And you need to ask for direction again. Because the way you're walking is headed to destruction. To death. And so God calls the nation. God calls the the present day church. He calls you and me to ask for direction And when a nation and a church and individuals begin to ask, it's an indication that they're coming to grips with the fact that they are lost, that their own wisdom, that their own thoughts and their own feelings have led them far away from God and not to God, and now the thought of God comes. The wisdom of God comes, and He calls to you, O men, I call, He says, ask, ask for wisdom to turn back to God. God. Those who are lost will not ask for directions. Those who do not think, rather, that they are lost will not ask for directions. Let me illustrate it this way. Suppose you're in a large city, you're heading for a destination that's only going to take you 20 minutes. In your own mind, you think that you're smart enough to get there without a GPS or without Google Maps. You keep forging ahead, thinking that you'll get there soon. Forty-five minutes later, you're still driving, and the trip that should have taken you 20 minutes has taken you 45, and you get the sinking feeling that you've lost your bearings and sense of direction. So what does it take to return to the proper path to the correct destination? A humbling of one's pride, isn't it? If we're, off, uh, if we're honest, asking our spouse for help, for directions, saying, honey, you were right. We should have turned here when I insisted we turn that way. A humbling of one's pride and a return to, to the thing that gives us direction. The best way to get back on the path is to ask for direction. To consult the map, to consult the navigation system, to consult your co-pilot. How much more that's true spiritually. Ask, the Lord says. He's willing, you see. The Lord is saying here that I'm willing to be appealed to for direction. Not everything is lost. You are lost, certainly. But you're not a lost cause. Ask. Asking for direction is an acknowledgement that you are lost. That only God can help you of this situation that you're in. Young friends, as you stand at the crossroads of confession of faith, living out that confession before the Lord in the watching world, the Lord says to you tonight, ask. You see, we're not beyond asking. Our navigation systems are broken by nature. If we're trusting ourselves to get to the destination, it's It's a fool's errand, isn't it? God says, keep asking for direction. You've received lots of direction to this point in time from your parents, from your elders, and from the pastors that have preached to you. But don't be so foolish as to think that from this point forward, you can find your own way. Asking implies not only the fact that we are lost and need divine direction, but it implies dependence upon the Lord. We can't find our own way, but God gives his own direction in his word. It's back to the word of God, back to what he says, isn't it? And so you gave your yes to the questions of confession, but that does not mean you've yet arrived. You see, there's a constant asking that marks the Christian life. So God says to you, ask. He says to all who are believers, ask again. Because even we are prone to lose the way. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave, the God I love, the hymnist says. And so we need to ask. And that's what the Lord is telling us tonight. Ask in dependence upon me. In acknowledgement that you are lost. That there's this tendency to go lost When you depart from the Lord and His Word and His wisdom. But what do you ask for? The Lord says, ask for the old paths. Ask for the ancient paths. These paths go back to the very beginning of time. Where God has revealed His life-giving gospel in the garden to the Father's. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to, the, to Moses and to the prophets. These are the paths of the gospel. The paths that God has revealed to His people over time in which they should walk. Paths that have led them to redemption, to salvation, ultimately in Christ. Paths that are well worn and have been safely traveled for centuries as they point to the faithfulness and the salvation of God in Jesus Christ. They are paths of right doctrine and right practice. God is not asking the nation to return to traditions or special language in worshiping Him. No, He's asking for their hearts in returning to what He has revealed to worship Him rightly. You remember, as we begin, that there was this this competition he said or they said there's this competition between god's word and and the nation's word what god says and what the nation says they thought they could define the old paths in their own way notice that the lord is not saying that judah should ask for new paths of innovation in worship or clinging to the old paths of tradition for tradition's sake. He brings them to the very core of the issue. For the old paths of gospel truth that lead to reformation of heart and life and worship. Because tradition by itself is not going to change us. If we come to church out of tradition, It's not going to change us. God can and does, of course, use coming to church out of tradition. We're not saved by keeping the traditions that have been handed down to us. To the last jot and to the last tittle as if that is what God is requiring in the sense of of asking for the old paths. tradition has its place in the church but when tradition eclipses the gospel we have a problem god is asking israel to ask for the old paths he continues to define what those old paths are the way of the good the path of the good wherein is the good way he says in essence, God is calling his people back to what they had heard from the prophets, from the mouth of Moses. Ask for the old paths, where is the good way, and walk therein. The implication is that Israel was not walking, or Judah was not walking in those paths. Judah had lost the way to God, they fabricated their own old paths. But the Lord calls them back to His way, to the trusted way of salvation in the blood of Christ. Because you see, that's what that revelation of the Old Testament points to, isn't it? To the blood of Christ. To the way of salvation. The way by which an Israelite, by which someone from the tribe of Judah could be saved. This way of the good is not just a moralistic pathway. If I do the good, God will save me and I'll arrive at my destination of of life and peace. No. God is calling for faith in the way that He has revealed for sinners to be saved. That is the old path. That is the ancient path. Right from Genesis 3.15 onwards, that is the path that the people of God have trod to the way of life. Isn't that what Jesus Himself declares in the New Testament in John 14, verse 6? I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way of the good. He is the way that leads back to the supreme good, God Himself. That is the way for you and me, even as it was the way for Judah and Benjamin and Israel and everyone in between. It's the way of the gospel, the way of the good news. The Lord calls Judah to walk in this way, to forsake the bypaths that have led her astray to idolatry, to walk in the prescribed way of the gospel. So, what, you, what should you ask for this evening? What should you ask for as you make confession of faith? What should each one of us be asking for? ask for the old paths to ask for clear gospel direction in what God has said not in what we want to say what God has said is the trusted way of salvation of redemption of forgiveness of sin it's not the way of mere tradition that we are to ask for It's not the way of innovation that we are to seek in the life of the church in order to bring others in and to keep those faithful who are already in. No, we learn here from the Word of God that when tradition or innovation eclipses the old paths of the gospel, then you know you've lost your way and you're right back at the crossroads. And the Lord calls to us Stand ye in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths, where is the good way? And walk therein. To walk therein through faith in the one who is the way. It's the trusted way. Jesus is the way to life and to rest, beloved. Listen to what the Lord says again. Stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way and walk therein? And ye shall find rest for your souls. What happens when you lose your way? Children, what happens when you're walking in a woods or you're walking in the shopping mall and you lose your parents? What fills your mind and heart? It's fear, isn't it? It's fear, and unrest. Anxiety. You become restless. That's true spiritually as well. If you lose your spiritual bearings, if you're lost, it brings all sorts of trouble, all sorts of anxieties. But here the Lord says if you ask for the old paths, wherein is the good way, and you walk in them, and you you shall find rest for your souls. There's a promise attached to this, you see, to this gospel way of, of peace. It's at the crossroads, the Lord prescribes his way, and he says, You shall find rest for your souls. The way of peace, the way of the gospel, the way of redemption, the way of repentance. The way of Christ himself is the tried and trusted way that leads to rest. Isn't that what Christ said? In Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 to 30. To those who are troubled. To those who are anxious. To those who had lost their way. What did he say? Come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Simply an echo, a repetition of what the Lord is saying here in Jeremiah 6.16. Stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein, and you shall find rest for your souls. Jeremiah 6.16 is a mirror in which we see Christ, who is not only the way for sinners, but is the traveler's rest for those who are weary of themselves. He himself is that rest that your soul needs tonight, my friend. You stand at the crossroads, and the Lord says, Stand ye in the ways and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein, and you shall find rest for your souls. As you make this commitment before the Lord and His people, in confession of faith, the Lord calls you to live a life of return and a constant asking after the old way, after the one who was revealed from ancient times, the one who was before the world was, Christ Himself. So I encourage you tonight never to rest short of Him, never to rest short of Him. But always seek to know Him better. Always seek to know the old path of the gospel. Always seek to know the blood of Christ for your own souls. The word is clear tonight. You'll never have rest for your soul apart from Christ. The one who is the rest for anxious and lost sinners. Maybe some of you are here tonight and you've lost the way. You've gone deep into the woods of sin and darkness. You can't find your way out. But the remarkable thing is that the Lord still speaks tonight. He says, Stand ye in the ways and ask for the old paths. What's the quickest way of return out of a path of sin? It's Christ. It's Christ. Back to the way that God has so clearly set forth tonight in his word. The old paths of the gospel. The Lord confronts you at the crossroads with his word. To consider your ways and to return to the way where there is rest for your soul. These are gracious words meant to draw you back. Beloved, this is what the Lord says. They are words of mercy, words of conviction, I trust, to penetrate your heart and to bring you back to Him, not just for the first time, but again. And again, words of mercy, words of grace, words of full intent for sinners to find life in Christ Jesus who is the way, the truth, and the life. This is what God says. This is the way that leads to life. This is the word that leads to life. But there's one more question that we need to deal with. Tonight. But what do the people say as they stand at the crossroads? What is this contrasting word that we read in our text that is contrasted with what God says? These words are very brief, but they're written to warn you and me tonight, to shake us out of our self confidence. We read these sad words. The response of the people to the word of God. They said. We will not hearken. Thus saith the Lord. Stand ye in the ways. And ask for the old paths. Wherein is the good way. And walk therein. And you shall find rest for your souls. But. The people say. Can you imagine that response? But the people say, we will not walk therein in response to the words of mercy and grace, to the word of life. The people say, we will not walk therein. God says, go this way, come this way for life. And Judah says, we will go our own way. Stubborn refusal to do the word of God. God says, and diametrically opposed to what God says, that people say, we will not. The sad and damning reality with which Judah responds to the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. What they said, a stubborn refusal to bow to the word of the Lord, a stubborn refusal to turn to the way of life. It's a faint illustration, but it's like the husband that stubbornly refuses to listen to his wife as they're traveling through that city. Honey, I think you should have turned here. Husband blocks out the words of his wife and he says, no, we're going this way. Thinks he knows better. But this spiritual stubbornness has far more dangerous and eternal consequences. It's a stubborn refusal to listen to the Word of God, it's a steadfast rebellion against. The word of God. There's not just intent here. There is walking against the word of God. Going against it. Judah has no intention of turning to the Lord. We will not hearken. We will not walk therein. They will not listen. Like a child who is guided by his parents. To go one way. And the child says no I'm going this way. And they run away from their parents. They intentionally pursue their own way. Against the pleading and wisdom of their parents. It's almost hard to imagine. But we're not really any different, are we? This is a word to the covenant people of God. A serious word. A word of mercy. In the track record of the covenant people of God in the Old Testament, and I'm afraid in the New, is the same steadfast rebellion and persisting in idolatry. I pray that's not the case for you and me tonight. That as God lays bare our hearts, we would turn to Him in repentance and faith before we head for certain ruin. That ruin is pictured in the following verses of this chapter. The military machine of Babylon would show no mercy, but would be used by the Lord to lead his people into captivity. There would be death and destruction all around. Weeping, death, The Lord would come to refine them, we'd read, and call them reprobate silver to be cast away. Serious indictment against Judah. But what it portrays for us is the sad reality of choosing and persisting in the way of destruction. Beloved, these words are written for our warning. They signal to us loudly and clearly that the response of the human heart is not promising. It's a general track record of humanity that's portrayed here. Young people, as you make confession, you stand at a spiritual crossroads tonight. Those who have trusted in Christ tonight Whose word will you heed and follow? Which way will you follow? I pray that you will listen to and obey the word of the Lord to you. The word that woos sinners to come. To walk the way of rest in Christ all the days of your life. And to to be spoiled for that idolatry. To say with Ephraim, what have I to do anymore with idols? I will return to the Lord. I will ask for the old paths. I will walk in them and I will find rest for my soul. Because I know that the former life didn't offer that. When you're tempted by those paths. To go down the way of destruction. As appealing as it looks, remember. Remember these words. Remember what the Lord said. Stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths where is the good way and walk therein and ye shall find rest for your souls. Remember that. Remember that that road that is the uphill climb that has the boulders and the potholes and that looks like a a well-worn path. Though it might not look attractive, is the way to life and the way to Rest. Remember the words of warning, the words of rebellion. Let that keep your heart tender tonight, child of God. Let it keep you in those old paths. Let it keep you walking in them, trusting alone in Christ. For those who are lost in the darkness of idolatry and sin and false worship, Remember what Judah's words would bring them. A sure ruin in God's judgment. What God pictures in the last verses of this chapter and the verses preceding our text just a microcosm, a small picture of what God will unleash in the wicked and the unrepentant on the day of judgment. Not a Babylonian army, but the white-hot wrath of a holy God unending in hell. Consider that before you leave this place and you say, we will not walk therein. Once more the Lord says to you, he reasons with you, he pleads with you, stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein and ye shall find rest for your souls. This is what the Lord says. He means what he says. The question for you to take home tonight is this What will you say in response to what God has said? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we have heard thy speech and we are afraid. We are afraid because of the sinful tendencies of our own hearts. We are afraid because of the lostness of the world, of our nation, of our culture the lostness of those within the church who have lost their moorings their direction who in their wisdom think they can carve out a path for themselves when thou hast given us a clear path a grace-filled path a sure path a path It is Christ Himself. He is the way. He is the rest. But Lord, we have also heard Thy speech, and we are thankful that Thou hast not left us to ourselves. We thank Thee, Lord, that Thou dost not deal with us in vague generalities, with maybes or ifs, but with clarity and power, so we know exactly who we are, who Thou art, and what is required of us. Lord, we pray for a heart of repentance and contrition before Thy holiness. That we would say with David against Thee, Thee only have I sinned. That we would hear the words, With loving kindness have I drawn Thee. That we would return to the God who has made us the God who has provided redemption for sinners, full and free redemption. Lord, we pray tonight in particular for those who are intent on leaving this place, echoing the words of the nation of Judah, saying, we will not walk therein. Those who would pursue death over life. Show them, Lord, their foolishness, their utter foolishness. The damnable road that they are on. That unless they turn to Thee, they will be damned along with the road that they are on. Lord, may the weight of that that reality of eternal condemnation. Give them pause to consider their way, to cry out for the old paths, for the gospel, for Christ, and find Him to be a willing and a glorious Savior who will turn none away, who come to Him. Lord, bless us now further in this evening. Bring us home safely to our loved ones. Bless our time with the young people now. Lord, we ask that thou be with the new members. Bless them richly, Lord. That their lives would be marked out by listening to what thou hast said tonight to them. Their lives would be marked out by asking. and walking in Christ. Lord, we look to Thee for all these things. Bless us in the week that lies ahead. All the plans that we've made, all the work in which we will engage. We pray that Thou bless it all according to Thy will and for Thy glory. Preserve us, O Lord. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.